0: Open your Bibles up to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 31 to 36. John, chapter 8, 31 to 36, after prayer. Father, I pray that as we sang those words, that each heart in this room was casting away burdens, casting away those distracting things, those thoughts that so easily trip us up and get our minds going in places where they ought not to be. And instead, Father, that through the work of the Holy Spirit, as those burdens were set aside, that every heart was softened, every eye opened, every ear opened to hear the voices as they rose up into the very throne room where you and your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, are seated in glory. And Father, I pray that you've received the praises of your people as a sweet-smelling offering. And now, Father, as we come to this point in the service where we desire, Father, to hear from you, so as an act of worship, Father, we read what it is that you've spoken to us through the hand of John, And we ask Holy Spirit of God, who has been sent by the Lord Jesus Christ, to teach us all things, to help us, to give us what we need this morning, and that is to hear from our Savior, to hear from our Redeemer, who we remember this day, his body being broken, his blood being spilt, so that we could be restored, so that we could enter into this most holy place and hear your voice. So speak, Father, as your servants listen. and I pray that you will in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. John chapter 8, I'm just going to read a few short verses. Um, picking up in verse 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So this is Word of God, the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today, as we've heard and you probably all know, um, our nation celebrates freedom, as it were, through what we call the July 4th or the Independence Day celebration. And we look at that day back in the history of our nation and we think that this is the time that we look back to and we remember that this was the point where the founders of our country and we as a nation declared ourselves independent. Independent from the control of the British government, of the crown, of King George. Independent of the need um, for authority over us. We were going to be self-determined people. And we call that freedom. And so did the people that Jesus was speaking with. They saw freedom in a different way. So today, as we as a nation are going to celebrate our Independence Day, as the people of Jesus, we have a different celebration. And our celebration on this day, the Lord's Table Day, is our Dependence Day. So as the Christian church, we find that we are truly free only when we remember that it is through Christ's death, through Christ's life, through Christ's sacrifice for our sins, that we find freedom. And we find as we look at that freedom, that that freedom is not independent. It is completely dependent. And on this Communion Sunday, I want to discuss three things that Jesus is addressing in this passage to them and to us Those three things are that we are free from the penalty of sin by the provision of Christ. We are free from the power of sin by the very presence of Christ. And we will be freed from the presence of sin itself because of the promises of Christ. So we look at each of those, and again, we want to look back and observe these people that Jesus is speaking with. Now, as I read verse 31, it says that Jesus is, speaking to those Jews who believed in him. So that's an important thing that you don't want to glance over and not pay attention to. Jesus has been interacting in this chapter with some religious leaders. Um, They are challenging him, saying that his witness is false. Um, He has announced his departure from them. As he continues on past verse 36, you will see that he actually directly calls them the children of their father Satan. And the reason he says that is because what they are doing is they are rejecting the one true God who is in the form of Jesus, the man standing in front of them. And in doing that, they are rejecting the true God of heaven, the Father himself who has sent him. And the reason they're doing that is because they are bound up in their sin. Their sin, for the Pharisees and the religious leaders was multiplied, just like ours. But specifically in this passage, it's their belief that in religion, they could find freedom. That independently, they could create laws. And if they could just live up to those laws, and if not make the sacrifices necessary, that they would be acceptable. And they trusted not in God, but in themselves. You see that throughout 2,000 years of history in the Bible up until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over and over, the nation of Israel is trying to self-assert their freedom. And over and over and over, you see them fail. And yet they don't learn the lesson. They trust in themselves. For the other Jews, maybe those that aren't so religious... They were also trusting in themselves, trusting in their own ability to please God. That if I just live a moral life, I'm a child of Abraham. Being a child of Abraham is my ticket to get in because I'm one of God's chosen. So again, their eyes are not on anywhere except for their own hearts and within themselves in their independence. I am going to do what is necessary. God will find a way to accept it because I did the best I could do. They were lost and the Lord is trying to correct them, but they just can't see it. Why? Because they're blind, just as we are, to our own independent streaks. Somehow, even for those who believe Him, we still think that there is some way that we can garner God's grace. That there is some way that He will look at us and say, yes, I am going to give to you because you have earned it. You are worthy. And it's independence, the day we celebrate as a nation today, that hopefully when we're done this morning will remind us that yes, in the world our nation is out from under the control of a foreign government with no representation. But we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of the one above. And in that nation, the nation of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we are totally dependent and pray God will never separate that. So in this freedom that Jesus promises, there are many things that he tells them they are free of. The first that they would be aware of, the first that we hopefully are aware of, is that in his death, and you see that, um, as he mentions it in verse 28, which I didn't read, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. In his death, it was not a, a loss. There was no defeat Though the world saw it that way, Isaiah the prophet tells us that we looked at him and we despised him. We counted him a robber and a thief. When we look to the cross, apart from the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see loss. We see a horrifying death that was inflicted, but we see nothing more. We do not see a savior because saviors were not put on crosses. And that's why the Greeks and the Jews rejected him. But when we look to that cross, we see something quite different. We see the penalty for our sin being paid. His provision, his work, he was your substitute. You deserved to be crucified on that cross. Your sin deserved punishment. The wages of sin is death, the Apostle Paul reminds us. And you earned it, and I earned it, we earned it. But Christ was our substitute. He took our sins upon him. He was made, as the Bible describes it, he was made sin. And he was made sin so that the wrath of Almighty God Be propitiated. That wrath that we had stored up in our sinful living, in our independent life, in our morality, in our religious works, in our rites, in our ceremonies, in our demands of a holy God that He would conform to us. We were storing up wrath that was to be poured out on us, and it was poured out on Him. And that wrath was satisfied, not mostly, completely. You want to know why the Lord Jesus cried out in the words he used on the cross? Just think of that for a moment. That the wrath of God against the sin of all of mankind was poured out on him. So he was our substitute. He propitiated God, and by his blood, our sin was forgiven. By his shed blood, as those bones and metal scraps ripped into his skin, as those nails were driven through his hands, and his blood, which is where the life of the body is, flowed out of him. It was cleansing us. So, in his death, in his broken body, we were freed from the penalty of our sin. And because of that freedom, we now don't have to live with guilt. Not that we weren't guilty the price is paid. We don't have to live with shame. Not that the deeds that we committed weren't shameful. But they have been expunged as far as the east is from west. They have been removed from us. We are no longer separated from the one who created us. From the one who made us. From the one whose image we bear, that we struggled to find. We have been rejoined. Because the sin penalty that separated us was paid in full by his provision. So we have the penalty of our sin removed. And this is what he's telling these people. You will be free indeed because you can't work your way into heaven. Think of Nicodemus as he came to Christ, recognizing that there was something about him But he couldn't get it. How can I be born again? There must be a way that I can make the original model a little bit better so God will find it acceptable. That's what religion does. No. Paul would say it this way. You have been crucified with Christ. For those that bear his name, you died with him. You died with him. And you were raised with him. And that's the second part as he talks to these people, as he talks to you and I today to understand our freedom that we have been freed from the power of sin. Not just the penalty, not just looking in the past at, That the fact that we have been forgiven, which is the most wonderful thought you probably could have, but don't get stuck there because you live today. And today, because of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit, you are free from the power of sin. So he makes the condition for you to be forgiven, to be made right, to be born again, to be a new creation in Christ. And he makes the provision through his own presence to break the power of sin over you. You can't do it yourself. Do not try to separate yourself. I can try harder. If I just, if I just, if I just. Could you plead with the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, I can't. I have tried. I was telling my Sunday school class yesterday as I was thinking about this message, I just thought about yesterday. Just yesterday. And I just came to the place, Lord, what's wrong with me? (laughs) What's wrong with me? So often through the course of one day in my mind, I fail him. And I was home alone, so I couldn't even say my wife made me do it or my kids made me do it. It was just me. I can't beat that battle by myself. I'm not strong enough. But he is. And that's what he's doing right now in your life if you are his child. He is at work in you crushing the power of sin moment by moment, degree by by degree, those works that you find so worthy, he's crushing them under his feet and changing your heart so that you, as we talked this morning, are like David who danced before the Lord out of a heart that was overwhelmed in gratitude and in wonder and in awe at one simple fact. He chose me. He chose me. So the king of Israel danced in the streets in joy, worshiping, praising, singing to his God. He was free. He wasn't bound by this world's rules. Real men don't dance in the street. Real men don't pray. Real men or women, I keep saying men, let me just stop myself there because real women don't do this either. They don't admit that they can't. What do we teach everybody? You can do anything you want, just set your mind to it and work hard enough at it, and you can do it. You can't save yourself, you can't beat sin. These are the things that the world pounds into your head and my head every single day. And we fall prey to it. Our old nature just wants to go back and do what we were comfortable with. Because I don't want the people looking out the windows like David's wife, seeing me dance in the street and ridiculing me and charging me with false accusations... That's what sin does. That's what sin was doing to the Pharisees. It had bound them to the point where they couldn't see God standing in front of them. They couldn't hear his voice. They couldn't hear him. Because sin had become so powerful. They had become so independent. They had become so self-righteous, so self-reliant. They were like the rich young ruler. I've done all of it. I've done it all since birth. I am pure. And Jesus said, okay, well, this one thing you lack. Give away your stuff. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Not giving away my stuff. That just told us everything we need to know about the rich young ruler. He'd been living in sin. He had had idols his whole life. His idols were his possessions. His idols were himself. He relied on himself. If I just do good, if I just do good, God will accept me. After all, he realizes I'm a creature. I can't be perfect. So if I just do good you will overlook the bad. That's morality. That's when you separate God's law from God. You are left with nothing but morality. And you can determine your own course. You can set the standard for who gets in and who doesn't. I watched a video clip um, a few days ago that illustrated this. It was Caitlin Jenner, Bruce Jenner, who I call him, And my heart broke for him because you could see the pain in his voice. You could see the pain in his eyes as he stumbled when asked the question about his eternity. And his answer was that just one day when he walked up those steps, God would agree that he did the best he could. And that would be enough. And that's his hope. And you could tell by his eyes that he's deceiving himself. But Bruce Jenner's response was, I'm just being who I am. I'm just being me. I'm just being authentic. And God will accept that. What Bruce Jenner doesn't understand is that the Bible says that God made them male and female. In his own image, he made them. Now, what will happen in the end with Bruce Jenner? I have no idea. That's in God's hands. But that's the kind of thing we, now, we're not going to go, well, hopefully, we're not going to go change our sex. But it can be in smaller things where God's word is clear. And you think, if I can just live up to that, he'll accept me. But his word says that if you violate one jot or one tittle, you violated the whole thing. So you cast yourself into his hands. And in that casting out of your independent spirit and that dependence upon him, the true power is revealed which breaks the power of sin. You are raised to new life, you are no longer enslaved to sin as these Jewish people were. Because in his presence, he breaks the power of sin and frees you. And the last is the very presence of sin. We have not yet in our lives, experienced this final hope. But it is a freedom which liberates us. Because we live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world that challenges us. We live in a world that tempts us. We live in a world where we see tragedy. We live in a world where we see pain. We live in a world where we see sin on parade. Where we see unrepentant, stiff-necked, hard-hearted people And some of that is turned directly at us and some of it is just in our peripheral vision as we live out our lives. But because of the promises of Christ, we are free from despair. We are freed from fear. And we are freed to knowing that one day, not only will the penalty of our sin be dealt with, Not only will the power of sin over us be broken, but the very presence of sin will be removed. That day is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his promises, says, he has begun this work and he will finish it. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Notice it doesn't say he who began a good work in you expects you to finish it. You are to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it is in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is being who you are made to be. It is not in doing what you are supposed to do. He will finish this work. He made the promise in this very gospel that's recorded for us that all that the Father has given me I will raise up in that day. If you are in the hand of Christ, you are in the hand of the Father and there is none greater than him. And you're secure. When Christ cried out from the cross, it is finished. It is because he's done it. So even the presence of sin, when we go, if you read, and I encourage you to read the book of Revelation where it gives us these descriptions, words fail the writers to describe the glorious of heaven. But one of the things that we do notice is that there is no sun in heaven. There are no stars because all of the light is everywhere from the seat of God Almighty. You will not cast a shadow in heaven. You will be completely engulfed in His glorious light. And the Son of God will be your son. And sin will be cast out. No more will your mind tempt you. No more will your nature try to pull you away. No more will you be easily tripped up. You will be like Christ who could look to his disciples and say, they will come, but they will find nothing in me. There is a day coming. Brothers and sisters, think about this. There is a day coming when you will be able to say, you will find nothing in me. Search. You will find nothing. That is a glorious freedom that carries us so that we can live in this world, so that we can get through each day, not with our feet dragging and our head down and our droning on, but that we can be like David and just dance before the Lord because we are dependent on Him. And in that dependence, we're made free not an independence. When you turn that independent spirit, that's when you feel the bindings again. You feel the restrictions. We look at the law. The law is freeing. Oh, no, 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 no. The law is binding. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. That's binding. No, it's freeing. It's freeing. For the one who is created in the end of God, image of God, Jesus was never restricted. Never. He was free. When he stood before Pilate, beaten within an inch of his life, he said, you have no authority over me. Do you not know I could call down a legion of angels? Do you not know who I am? I am the Son of God. in our dependence on Him, when we find ourselves in those places in this life where those things are put to us, we can say, do you not know that I am a child of the Most High God? Do you not know that His eye is set upon me Do you not know that he has said that he will work everything out for my good and for his glory? Do you not know? Do you not know that I am free? I live in a world that wants to make me declare my independence. I live in a world that wants to make me turn to myself, trust in me. Whether it's in my own moral character, whether it's in my religious works, whether it's in my U.S. citizenship. We are, after all, the greatest nation on the earth, correct? Right, that's what we keep seeing on television. What did they say? Look back in this passage. What do you mean you're going to make us free? Do you not know we're the children of Abraham. We're the Jews. Don't you know that? We're from the United States of America. We're free. Freest nation on earth. We are a beacon on a hill set before the entire world to spread democracy and freedom throughout the world. Isn't that what we are? That's what you see on television. That's what we get taught We're bound up in ourselves. We're slaved to our own independence. Lord, what do you mean you're going to make me free? I'm already free. I have no need of you. That's what these people were saying to That's what these Pharisees, these religious leaders, the most holy people that you would find walking on the Earth at that moment other than the Lord Himself, the people that you would look to for guidance and leadership in in need of you. We're Abraham's seed. They didn't realize, in their independence, they were slaves. We don't realize that in our independence, we are slaves. Our will is not free. It's bound. It's bound to a nature of sin until Jesus frees it. So on this day, we don't want to come to the Lord's table declaring our independence. We want to come to the Lord's table with our hands out and our eyes up and our selves lowered and just let Him know, Lord, apart from you, I'm nothing. Thank you that I'm not. Thank you that I am the most needy, dependent person in the world. And thank you, Lord, that you knew that and you gave yourself for me. And thank you that because of that, because you made me free, I am free indeed. Father, I want to thank you that we still have Times in our lives where we can look out in the world that you've planted us in, and we can see the events like a Independence Day celebration. And Lord, we see that, and it reminds us um, not to be haters of the world necessarily, Lord, but to be lovers of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it gives us these object lessons that this world is not under your authority. It is under the authority of Satan, the prince of the power of the air, and all of those forces and principalities and powers that work for him, Lord. We just thank you that though they are greater than us, they are not greater than you, and you dwell within our hearts. And you are greater than them. And you are able to bind the strong man and cast him out. You are able to this day, Lord Jesus Christ, to save those that are lost. And you are still in the work of saving souls. You are still in the work of redeeming people. You are still working to build your church and the gates of hell themselves will not prevail against you. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, especially on this day. We remember your broken body. We remember your shed blood. Lord, we remember that our sin is forgiven. We remember that you have broken the power of sin over us and they have no authority. And we remember, Lord, that there is a day coming when you shall return. And we look forward to that day. But on this day, Father, we just ask for grace. We ask for mercy. And we ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, to be glorified in your church. And Father, for you to be glorified on this earth as you are in heaven, as we celebrate your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the altogether lovely one, the one who we declare with our lips is worthy. Now let us declare with our lives that he is worthy. And I thank you that you will, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you receive us and you cleanse us and you restore us. Pray in your name.